And so before we continue to study, submerge into the depths of the unsearchable inheritance of Christ, the epigraph of our study is the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, and the Psalms. So that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit, who reveals the truth in the heart, <clears throat> what we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. As we talked about, this is the calling of every individual person, holy person, that is born from God. If a person does not understand this calling, the salvation he receives as a guarantee will be lost and his name will be forever blotted out of the book of life. Regardless of, of how he is buried or what good work he may have done on earth, God will evaluate us not based on the good work we've done on earth, but the fruit that we bore to to him because the works uh, the good work uh, that we do shouldn't be uh, at the front uh, but it should follow as a result so the fruit we bear will then be followed by good work you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts to be made new by the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4, 22-24. So nothing that is corrupt, corruptible or corrupt will not enter the kingdom of heaven. If a person has not put off his former way of life, he cannot enter heaven with this form of life because it's either God is lying in his words or you can't enter. And we know God does not lie. God's words are unchanging and he's not hypocritical and so I with fear uh, when I studied this together with you what has happened with Christianity today it has increased but not in quality but just quantity and in quality it has completely corrupted its way they don't have the pure uh, form of the word it's damaged you don't understand what truth is when you're looking at these jungles, uh, the, conf the different uh, denominations, and they f uh, fight with one another, what has happened? Because there is, they don't know their true calling. They have replaced it with deception. And so to fulfill this given commanding order, there are three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts that we must do. This is put off our former way of life renew your mind by the spirit of your mind and that you clothe your body into a new way of life. Fulfilling these three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. Or more specifically, if our salvation will happen that is given to us in the format of a seed, identifying the guarantee of our salvation. Or will we lose it and our names will be forever blotted out of the book of life? And so, our names 
that when we make a covenant with God, the covenant of blood covenant, uh, the covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of peace with God in the baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire will be forever blotted out of the book of life. Why are they blotted out of the book of life? Because although we have made this covenant with God, we have not grown it from the seed into the fruit. And since the process of investment or the turnover process is connected to temporary suffering, where we in the death of the Lord Jesus are called to die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our uh, life in the flesh, we need to remember that current temporary suffering is nothing in comparison to the glory that will be opened up in our body when the stronghold of life will be erected in it. For I consider, Apostle Paul writes, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He means when our bodies will be changed into incorrupt bodies. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the Son of God. When our bodies put on immortality, for the creation, the angels of, of God in this case, these are those who serve the mortal body was subjected to futility not willingly but based of because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God for we know that the whole creation groans and labors we're talking about the angels of God the creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now not only that but we also who have the first fruits of the spirit who have the elementary uh, teaching. It's rare that they have the first fruits of the Spirit in this case. The first fruits of the Spirit is to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of your life. And for this to happen, you need to bring in the fullness of, of the undamaged Word into your heart. And to do this, to be able to bring the fullness, the uh, you need to clean your heart from a a dirty conscience and you need to die for your nation the house of your father and your corrupt way of life and so uh, creation groans and labors and we together also with them groan and uh, and labor with birth pangs not only that but we also have the first who have the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption the redemption of our body if we were saved in this hope but hope that is seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what he sees Romans 8, 18 through 25. In a particular format, we already looked at the process contained in the first two acts and stopped to study the process of the third act and specifically the conditions we need to fulfill so that by the means of our already renewed mind, we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of the glory of our new person. Relevant to this, we stop to study the condition contained in the 18th Psalm of David, where the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom and power that He alone has, reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God, El Elyon, or God Most High. In the original, David refers to God, and he calls Him El Elyon. In our language, it's Most High. The essence of this condition consists in this, that in the circumstances of our hardship, when we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our hearts, saying, Who God is to us in Jesus Christ? What God has done for us in Jesus Christ? Who we are to God in Jesus Christ? And also, what conditions do we need to fulfill to inherit all that God has done for us? 
in Jesus Christ. We've noted that the given allegory is one of the most powerful and all-capturing examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David with the name of God Most High and their violent conflict with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul and with governing sin as our old person with his deeds. And so in other words, we have three kings anointed by God who live within our body that all want control of our body and there is a violent battle going on between these three kings, amongst these three kings for our body and the field of battle is our heart. And that by the means of collaborating our faith with the faith of God consisting of uh, get, uh, obtaining information and this is information of the word and not feelings and so if we have inclined our ear to hear the word then we will hear and so God's faith consists in uh, telling us who God is to us in Jesus Christ what God has done for us in Jesus Christ who we are to God in Jesus Christ and what we need to do so that we can inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ or what he's prepared for us in Jesus Christ God can then receive the proper foundation that he needs to join the battle for our earthly bodies so that he can shame the governing within our body sin which is the old person with his deeds by the crushing power of his redemption and with noise forever thrust him out into hell in its character the per psalm of David contains three parts where we see demonstrated an example of the character of our legitimate prayer which belongs to kings priests and prophets. First part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer, belonging to kings, priests and prophets. The kind of heart you have is the kind of prayer you will have. What is put into your heart is what will be coming out of your heart. If it's evil, evil will be coming from your heart. If good, good will be coming from your heart. What is an evil heart? When a person from the evil treasury, when you put the uh, damaged word into your, the conscience is not cleansed from dead works, it's the damaged word, it's not the wholesome truth, not the complete truth. And so then this person brings out evil and God turns his face away from this person and their prayers. And God's wrath is then prepared uh, against this person because he has dared to uh, uh, offer evil instead of presenting an, a lamb upon his altar he brought a pig second part opens up the cons consistency of legitimate prayer itself which belongs to kings, priests and prophets which gives God the proper basis to deliver David and us from the hands of all of our enemies inside of our bodies as well as out of our bar uh, out of our bodies third part illustrates the prayer battle itself in an epic way which is beyond the limitations of the typical human mind I shall remind us that the virtue of a king consists of our mind being renewed by the spirit of our mind which gives us power to the right to rule over the emotional aspect of our body and lead them under the bridle as a horse of battle that is to lead uh, discipline and lead him. The virtue of a priest gives us the power to the right to run to God as warriors in prayer so that we can perform legitimate intercession for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. The virtue of a prophet gives our new person the right to enter the devere, 
That is the Holy of Holies, so that we can hear the voice of God above the lid of the golden ark within our heart, and and it gives or provides God with the foundation that He needs to hear our intercessions and respond to them. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. And so it opens up how to offer your sacrifice, how to bring it, in what order, and how it is to be. Getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies. And so if a person will not call to God, God will not be able to help him because he violates this, he will violate then the sovereign rights of this person. Uh, the person isn't asking and so you say, Lord, well, you know my needs. Why should, why should I ask for them? God says, yes, I see that you have these needs, but I wait for you to ask. I will not violate my law. I, I gave the law, and I will help you according to that law. I created you sovereign, and I am sovereign, and so you need to ask me with the right heart and with the right words. And so, when we do this, then this gives God the ability to open up the power of His names in battle against our enemies. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. And as we study these names, we have the ability to gather, to call upon the Lord who is worthy of praise in His eight names, the eight names of God Most High. So let us together call upon God with His names. Lord, You are my strength. Lord, You are my rock. Lord, You are my fortress. Lord, You are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, the horn of my salvation. And Lord, my stronghold. May the Lord hear and may he make himself known in these eight names in each one of us and may he clothe your and my bodies into the power of these eight names in a specific format as much as the Lord has allowed and according to the measure of our faith we already studied our inherited lot we study we learn about God according to the measure of our faith that does not depend on God that depends on our dedication we have been studying our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the power of five names of God we have already studied strength rock fortress deliver and living rock And today, we will immediately turn our attention to the study of our inherited lot in Christ Jesus, contained in the name of God, Living Shield. Considering that the given nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the eight names of God Most High, identify the inheritance that is contained in the covenant that is made between God and man, because the number eight is the number of the covenant in Scripture. And so, getting to know the eight names of God, which identify God's covenant with us, is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of every warrior in prayer. 
ones that have the virtue of kings, priests and prophets, who are anointed to rule over their earthly body. When I say earthly body, that is the body that's of the dust, made of the dust, and so that doesn't mean that it's sinful. Adam had a mortal body, it was of the earth, uh, it was made of uh, out of the dust, uh, it was eternal, but because sin entered in, it made it corrupt, corrupted. And so a body out of the dust can be uh, incorrupt, and so when God changes our mortal bodies and they become incorrupt, then God from this uh, body that is mortal will make it heavenly. Uh, it will be still our physical body, but it will have a heavenly component. And so, Adam had uh, a body that was of the dust, but it was immortal, but we will have a heavenly body, a body where you will never be able to sin anymore, where sin won't exist, because for the mortal body or the body made of dust, uh, sin still existed and you need to protect the Eden, Garden of Eden from that sin and subdue the garden. In heaven, we won't need to do that. In heaven, it will be a very different uh, relationship now than with God. If a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to govern over his calling, which is his mortal body, in the status of a king, a king, a priest, and a prophet, so that he can change it into the virtue of a heavenly body, then this revelation that is purpose for worshiping God in prayer will not benefit him. And this prayer is one that needs to belong to kings, priests, and prophets. This is how to worship in spirit and in truth. In scripture, the word shield is used as a living protection or a or live safety. The scripture enhan- enhances the meaning by identifying a shield as a military, as military equipment for a warrior in prayer. The purpose of such a shield is called to, by God to block us and protect us as warriors in prayer, those who battle for the interests of the will of God. Therefore, the name of God and the virtue of a living shield consists in standing between us and our enemies, and in this way take the hits of the uh, advert adversaries of fate upon ourselves that were passed on to us by the corrupt seed of the sinful life of our fathers and to give God the legitimate basis to stand at our right side as well as between us and our enemies so that in this way uh, in the one and other situation he can then take the hits that are directed at us by our enemies upon himself it is necessary for us to collaborate with God in the virtue of the name uh, of God shield And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And why behind them in this case? Because the enemy was behind. God stood then between the the enemies of Israel and Israel. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Exodus 14, 19-20. Here's what it means, a living ro- uh, shield, a living shield, how it protects us. And so in the given circumstances, a person collaborating with the name of God in the meaning of the name living shield will hear the noise of the pursuing enemy directed at him who intends to return him to slavery of sin that he was delivered from. 
And it happens that this fatal hit or blow directed against our liberty from sin at this time falls upon Christ, who will be taken from the earth and will be nailed to the cross. As it is written, I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children because zeal for your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Psalm 69, 8, 9. And why? Because he stands between us and our enemies. Therefore, the quality and lexicon in identifying the name of God's shield, as with the previous names of God Most High, is not able to be found in any dictionary of the world. So to be our living shield so that he can take upon himself the hits of the evil curse that pursues us by the sinful seed of our fathers, this is to protect and block us from the wrath of God, protect and block us from the deception of the evil one to protect and block us from the evil and slanderous tongue, to protect and block us from the curse of all nature of illness, to protect and block us from the curse of poverty, to protect and block us from the curse of untimely death or early death, protect us from the sinful life that was passed on to us from our fathers. Looking at the list contained, uh, containing such intervention and such a protection from all nature of existing enemy, the Holy Spirit, in the given prayer psalm of David, in the meaning of the name of God, shield, has concealed the inherited lot of the Son of God, in whom and by whom every person collaborating their faith with the faith of God in the name of God's shield is called to not only be protected from their enemies, but also to receive the victorious ability to keep and increase the profit that is received from the invested silver of salvation that he has turned to profit in the death of the Lord Jesus, which consists in adopting our body by the redemption of Christ and is a component of the promise of imperishable food. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God with man, it is vitally important for us to determine the role of God and the role of man in each aspect of our essence. And for this purpose, as with the previous names of God, which are we are called or that are called to be the lot of our salvation, it is necessary for us to study four classical questions that will help us learn the essence of our inheritance contained in the name of God's shield so that we can provide God with the legitimate foundations to use it in battle for the adoption of our bodies. <clears throat> First, According to scripture, what are the identifications and qualities of the name of God and the purpose of his glorious name, Shield? Otherwise, we will not have any opportunity to collaborate our faith with the faith of God that is presented in the truth that opens up the significance of the name of God in the form of our shield. Second, what purpose being in the role of our protector did God allocate for himself and what role has been placed upon us? Because God receives the proper foundation to provide us his help, protecting us from our enemies exclusively within the powers that are contained in his name shield and exclusively as a response to our protection of God from his enemies that live within our mortal body, which are our carnal thoughts and corrupt desires. In other words, God will protect us if we will protect Him or His interests in our body. Then He will protect us so that we understand that it's not that He protects us without any other 
conditions. There are conditions involved. We receive the reproach. We take the reproach uh, that's against him upon ourselves, and then he will take the reproach that is against us upon himself. Third, what conditions do we need to fulfill to provide God with the proper foundation to allow us to enter the unsearchable inheritance of his name in the virtue of a living shield of our faith? And fourth, by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are truly collaborating our faith with the faith of God in the virtue of his name shield? and not some kind of counterfeit to his shield. Considering this, we need to not forget that all of the acts of God relating to his protection are called to happen by collaborating our faith with the faith of God, which contains the protection of God, where we see the role of God and role of man clearly identified and outlined. Not having clear and exhaustive responses to these questions that we can receive exclusively by being instructed in the faith, we will not have any opportunity to turn the silver, which is the guarantee of our salvation, to profit so that we can make our salvation our possession in the fruit of our spirit. And this means that without a strict and voluntary obedience to the preached word of the person who possesses the authority of a father of God and his helpers that are in the same spirit with him, we will not have any opportunity to receive profit in the fruit of righteousness from the seed of guarantee that we have turned to profit or that we have invested. For all of the promises of God in him are yes in Jesus Christ are yes, and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Second Corinthians one twenty. Apostle Paul writes about himself and those like him that no one will be able to take or enter this inheritance, take the promises uh, without us, without the word that is preached that is received as a revelation from God. Second Corinthians one twenty. If we, when studying our inherited lot in the virtue of the name of God's shield, we will be studying this power independent of the confession of the faith of God that is concealed within our heart. Again, not written in scripture, but it is concealed in our heart, then we will not end up at the protection of God, but rather will end up at our own personal doom, because God and all of His powerful and unchanging names can be the lot of our inheritance exclusively in the situation when this lot becomes the component of the confession of the faith of God that is concealed within our good heart in the format of the undamaged teaching of Christ. And before we receive the right to the power to confess our inherited lot contained in the name of God's shield as the component of the faith of our heart, it is necessary to pay the price for the right to be a student of Christ, whose heart is able to receive the seed of the planted word and grow it so that it can demonstrate its power in the fruit of righteousness that is expressed in justice. And we will remember that only that person that thirsts to hear the word of God submerges into this word. He lives by this word, abides in this word, and this word abides in him, is able to stand in battle against the ancient serpent and escape the deceptive nets of the devil so that he can inherit the adoption of his body. And the nets of the devil are the jungles of all of these denominations so that he can inherit the adoption of his body by the redemption of Christ. When they say, what, God is only in your church? We can say, yes, he definitely is here. I can't say if he is in others. I can't, I'm not, I can't judge if they're not there, if he is or isn't there. If the teaching of Christ is there, yes, he's there. But if the teaching of Christ, the true teaching that's in scripture, they have their God, they have their Christ. <clears throat> in every church, they have their own Christ. That absolutely is not uh, like the Christ in scripture. 
Therefore, without our collaboration with the powers contained in the name of God's shield, representing the faith of our heart, we will not be able to please God. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 Therefore, first question, according to Scripture, what are the identifications and qualities of the name of God and the purpose of His name, glorious name, shield? First, God demonstrating the virtue of His name, living shield, taking upon Himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy, is a shield only to Abraham and his descendants. Only for Abraham and his descendants. Genesis 15.1 After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceeding, exceedingly great reward. Genesis 15.1 This is a very important thing. It's, a, it's noteworthy that only after specific incidences did God open himself up to Abraham in his virtue as a living shield. He fulfilled conditions so that God can become his living shield. From this we can conclude that for God to become our living shield from the seven above-mentioned enemies that came about because of the sinful fall of Adam and from whose seed came all mankind, which is why all of us together have inherited the program of sin from him. Therefore, it is necessary for us to be partakers and descendants of Abraham, for whom God, because of specific reasons, first, did not account the sin of Adam that Abraham was born in, and second, gave us the word of his reconciliation in Abraham, as it is written, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham might come, I am your shield, it's a blessing, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians 3, 13, 14 and to establish and write the given truth in our heart as a foundation of our faith in our salvation, we will bring forth another place of Scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself, not the the world of saved in the originals of the world of of his saved of of those who are saved it, to himself not in putting their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation now then we are ambassadors for Christ <clears throat> as though God were pleading through us from the name of Christ we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.17-21 And so looking at the given place to conclude that independent from the law of sin and death that has come, uh, come about in the body of man and has received power because of the commandment that Adam broke, God accounted righteousness to Abraham. <coughs> After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. What is the, re the reward that he, he gives him? Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I, ha I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. 
he knows that if he doesn't have an heir, he won't. And, and an heir means the fruit of the Spirit. And he wants to have this fruit of the Spirit to grow from the seed, the fruit of the Spirit. And he says, you have not given me this an heir. And the one in my house is the one that will inherit. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. This is how much promises you will have. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans and given you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? You see, he wants to know, how shall I know that I will inherit this land? So, because he... Uh, clarified that he will have an heir. He clarified that. But want, now he wants confirmation, understanding of uh, of inheriting the land. So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all those to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, a Abram drove them away. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them for four hundred years. And also the nations whom they serve, I will judge. Afterwards, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried as a good at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass, when the sun went down, and it was dark, that, behold, there appeared a smoky oven and a burning torch that passed between uh, the pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. <clears throat> and so he continued to live as a stranger on the land, and he died, but he said, Your descendants will, uh, will possess this land, and you will possess it within your descendants. Genesis 15, 1 through 18. Firstly, to be a descendant of Abraham and in this way receive power to the right to collaborate with the name of God in the virtue of a shield, it is necessary for us to be born again by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. As it is written, Christ has, re has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians 3.13.14 the result of the fact that we truly have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior will be the knowledge that in Jesus Christ, God does not account to us the sin that we inherited or that we have committed, committed ourselves, and He justifies us. This is upon the condition that we have placed ourselves into Jesus Christ and we are partakers of the good wife who possesses the virtue of the narrow gate. Here we're again seeing the church. And so say, what, only in your church is the Lord? If the teaching, uh, uh, pure teaching is not taught in another church, or how uh, the teaching is not given how to put yourself in Jesus, and that is into a church, 
where the structure corresponds to the order of the kingdom of heaven, the theocratical structure, where the democracy does not exist. Uh, that a brotherly council that controls the pastor does not exist. There are not member gatherings where they uh, go uh, in detail on every little thing, any sin that has been committed by any individual. Uh, I shall remind you, I think some of you know <clears throat> one of the Pentecostal churches, not far from us actually, very nearby, when sister calls me and says, help me if you can, but don't ask me how, for my name. And I have this question, she says. We went and bought potatoes together with my husband, and we lived in a village previously. And so I planted the potatoes, and we, when he came home from work, he asked her to prepare the potatoes. And I told him, there are three minutes away, there's a safe way I can go buy potatoes. And I, I planted the ones that I have. And so uh, he asked her, well, don't you know I love potatoes? She said, yes. That means you don't, you don't love me then, he's saying. Uh, take out all the potatoes you planted, prepare them for me, and then go buy uh, others in the store. And so in me, I, I felt really bad, she says, and he was behaving very happy, but he was so happy, and I was, was so angry inside, and I suffered many days. And finally, I came to the pastor, my own pastor, she says, and told, <clears throat> and told him what happened. And so the pastor then said, I have to bring it to the brothers, and they have to decide this. And then I will give, bring an answer back to you when we have one. And so... The brothers could not decide it, and so they then decided to discuss it as a whole church, an entire church. And so they finally decided that the husband is head, and if the husband says to plant the the lettuce upside down, then you should do it. And the whole church said, yes, we agree. And so as your husband is correct, he told you to do this, and you did, and so you don't need to feel bad. And so I then agreed with what they said. But she says, in me something even further, I became even more upset inside, she says. And I will ask, uh, I told her, I'll ask you a question and this will be your answer. So the brothers told you if the husband says, plant the lettuce upside down, then you should plant it upside down, right? But what if your husband tells you, I have a friend and his wife is a... in the hospital and he has a sexual need will you satisfy him and she said okay I've understood she understood that the brothers were not right they didn't behave according to scripture you can't behave in these ways Uh, this is how they decided this but what would they have done if you came with uh, this may this may appear uh, ridiculous in some cases but and there's been situations where my husband, they, w- women have come and said, my husband forced me to sleep with their friend. And so now what What are you going to do? Is the husband still right? Do everything he says? Uh, we need to satisfy the desire of a husband within the boundaries of Scripture. And if his, if his requests are uh, contradictory or uh, are not sober or not reasonable, uh, 
uh, like planting upside down, then the response needs to be, I'll plant you upside down. I mean, and stop following such stupidity. Uh, if you behave in these kinds of ways, as you married somebody you seemed you thought was reasonable, then they start saying these uh, foolish things. Uh, and so, a uh, husband can't behave that way with their wives. Uh, I'm also a sister in the Lord, uh, at the same time I'm your wife, and so offending is an offensive thing to do. And so, the result that we have received Jesus Christ is that we will be placed into Christ, where they won't be saying such ridiculous things. If they do say such ridiculous things, then this is not a sober form of teaching in this church, and this is not a good wife, it's not a virtuous wife, it is not a narrow gate, and you can't place yourself into Christ in such a church, and God can't be a shield in such a church. He wants to be your shield, but in such a church, He cannot be your shield. He needs a church where His structure exists, His order exists. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not input sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And so the, fa the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham has while still uncircumcised, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans 4, 8 through 13. And so if one who is circumcised does not follow the, the ways of Abraham, they still lose their sonhood, they uh, violate, uh, and they are still going to be considered as children of the devil, not children of God. Secondly, God can become, uh, when we're talking about circumcision, uh, it's not done because of the circumcision of the flesh, but righteousness of faith in this case. Secondly, God can become our living shield only after specific incidences that had occurred with Abraham and that will also occur in the present and in the future uh, of each of his descendants by faith, consisting of obedience to the word of God and proclaiming the non-existent stronghold of incorruption in our body as existent. And the moment of this time happens when we forget our nation, the house of our father, and the life energy of our soul. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your father or from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis 12, 1-3 Here he promises that he will be his shield. He doesn't yet say, I am your shield. But when you do these things, when you leave your nation, uh, when you leave the house of your father, and when you come here and 
here you'll live your life, then will I be able to be your shield. The condition that will give us the ability to forget our nation, the house of our father, and our corrupt desires of our soul that are inherited by the genetic line from the sinful seed of our fathers in the flesh that are presented in many places of scripture, and here is one of them. Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. Psalm 45.10 This place of scripture that gives God the legitimate foundation to be our living shield, taking upon himself the hit that is directed against us by our enemies that live within our bodies as well as out of our bodies, we see four requirements in four commanding verbs. We see here, hear what God says, Look at what God is doing, incline your ear to the word of God, and forget your nation and the house of your father. These four actions give us the legitimate grounds to take the responsibility of protecting our calling upon ourselves, which consists of inheriting the promised land where we understand our role for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. Therefore, what incidences took place in Abraham's life after which God opened to him himself in the form of his li- of, of a living shield. The thing is that as soon as the feet of Abraham landed on the promised uh, to him land, which we need to perceive as our body, God placed the responsibility of protecting the boundaries of the promised land upon Abraham, which symbolized the body of Abraham. After Abraham separated from Lot, the four Babylonian kings, being led by the king of Kedorlamer, went to war on the land of Canaan against five of the Canaanite kings to restore their dominance over them. As they rebelled against Kedolamer, the king of Babylon, and refused to pay their tribute. Kedolamer, being the, vic- the victor in this battle, took all their possessions and all of their people as slaves, including Lot, Abraham's nephew. The name Kedolamer means the servant of the Elam god Lokomer. For 12 years, the five Canaanite kings, whose kingdoms were to the south of the Dead Sea, paid their tribute to Kedolamer, the king of Babylon. But once Abraham arrived in Canaan, they fell away from him and stopped paying, uh, paying their tribute. This very fact prompted the Babylonian king Kedolamer to, and with the other smaller Babylonian kings, to confront these five kings of Canaan to be able to take dominance and control over them and he was successful in that. And so this happened after God said, I am your shield. Genesis 14, 14 through 20, when, now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went and pursued as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother-in-law and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shiva, that is, the king, the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Kedolamer and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of uh, Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And he gave him a tithe of all. Abraham represents in our body the new person that has grown into full measure of growth in Christ. 
who has received a, upon himself the responsibility to save his soul and destroy the stronghold of death in his body and replace it with the stronghold of life. The four Babylonian kings, they represent the reasonable abilities of our soul that desire control of our body. That's the north, south, east, and west. At the same time, the five Canaanite kings represent our emotional aspect of our soul. These are the five senses. And so to place in our own dependence the aspect of our reasonable abilities, our new our new person in this battle, he then uh, subject we subject then our feelings and take control. These five kings, these five Canaanite kings, these are the senses that we take control of. And so meeting with the king of of Sodom and he also met with Melchizedek he separated his 10% his tithe to him and gave it to him and he did this to demonstrate before God Most High that he himself is a tithe of God and he proved this uh, he proved this very thing and so the symbol of Melchizedek is a symbol of Christ as our king and as our high priest that lives within our body that to whom Abraham brought his tithe from everything he had, what was best. The symbol of the valley where Abraham brought his tithe from the best of his of his possessions, he brought it to the king of Salem. This is the church of Christ. And so this valley is the church of Christ from all, all uh, nations and all people. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Songs of Solomon 2.1.2 Specifically here, the royal valley, Abraham, by the word of Christ, saw the day of the Lord. This is the chosen by God remnant from every nation, tribe, and, and tongue. And he saw this and rejoiced. Looking at this royal valley and Melchizedek, the priest of, the, of God Most High, we, we saw, we see in this valley the image of the seed of the woman, the image of the church of Christ, the image of the change of the priesthood of Aaron that didn't yet exist but will be later as uh, during Abraham that, that this didn't yet happen. The image of the change of the law of Moses, the image of the meaning of tithes, the image of the meaning of the name of God's shield and the image of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. Here's what it says in Hebrews about this, an incredible uh, place and have a lot of meaning. Hebrews, it's the chapter 7, book of Hebrews. And so we're talking here about God standing between us and our enemies and being our living shield. Hebrews chapter 7, 1 and lower. For this, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who may, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. This wasn't because he didn't have a genealogy or a name. His, it just shows the king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God, and in Scripture, 
it doesn't uh, state his actual name or uh, or his genealogy but in all uh, uh, books of writing or bo books of the rabbis uh, this was Shem. He was still alive. He was still alive. And so Abraham brought his patriarch Shem, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem was still alive during this time, and he was in the land of Canaan. He built the city where he was king and priest. And to him, Abraham brought the tithe. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithe from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. And so here mortal men receive as in the law, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. But in the New Testament, when he says there, even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so, so to speak. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Therefore, if and so Levi himself gave his tithes uh, to Melchizedek in in the form of Abraham. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed of of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For he of whom those things are spoken belongs to another tribe, from whom no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest, who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and un unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the uh, bringing in of a better hope through which we, we draw near to God. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, Lord, has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. By, by so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he became, because he continued forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a pre high priest was fitted for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and we're talking here about the word of God that is above uh, the heavens here and has become higher than the heavens. Uh, 
who does not need daily as the high priests to offer up sacrifices for first for his own sins and then for the people's for this he did once for all when he offered up himself for the law points as high priests men who have weakness but the word of the oath which came after the law points the son who has been perfected forever and so summing up uh, this very uh, question we conclude that God revealing his himself in his name as a living shield uh, one who takes upon himself the hits that are directed against us God then re- uh, reveals himself to Abraham and his descendants and as those in the likeness of Abraham his nation and so when we receive the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ, this is a promise, then God receives a legitimate foundation to be our shield. Because then what are what is he protecting us from if we are not desiring that land? Why will God defend or protect someone if, if all they want are gifts of the Holy Spirit, evangelism, and health, uh, a good life in the flesh? God, uh, w- There's no need for God to be a protector. He begins to become a protector when we carry responsibility for the land that we have entered. We've entered into the promised land that is our mortal body. And God, from the days of old, created man. He wanted it to be his house. And this is his main priority, his goal, his will. And so our calling is to make our body the temple of the Holy Spirit. We don't become the temple of the Holy Spirit uh, just as like with the touch of a wand, a, a magical wand. This this is not what, how you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we're not being led by the Holy Spirit either. First, we don't know yet His voice. We don't differentiate the unclean spirit from the Holy Spirit. It says that a carnal person does not understand spiritual things and resists them. How can then he be a temple of the Holy Spirit? Or infants in Christ that are tossed to and from by various winds of doctrine, how can they be a temple of the Holy Spirit? They, They cannot be yet, and God can't be their shield. He can't stand between them and their enemies. And so their enemies then are their friends, their enemies uh, put on religious garments and helps them help them in evangelism, good works, prayers, sermons, to a point where they even give their own lives. Their enemies uh, put on these religious garments, but as soon as you grow in spirit and you receive knowledge about your calling, that your body is your inheritance. This is this promised land, and you carry responsibility for it. God leads you in upon the condition you leave your nation, the house of your father, and your corrupt way of life. Your heart is cleansed, and the teaching of Christ is put there. You see these promises. He says, look at the stars, and look at the sand, the grains of sand. And so I, studying so-called theology in this time that in Bible they found up to 3,000 promises and I I then had asked can you count the stars that are in heaven well they say well those theologians have concluded that it's just 3,000 <clears throat> but there are way more than 3,000 stars in the sky 
and so all of our universe the closer you get the more and more stars you will see or the sand grains can you count uh, all the sand grains of the beach or the oceans the beach uh, beaches of the ocean and so how is it that you can come to a conclusion that there's only 3,000 David says there's such a multitude of them you can't count them Second, God demonstrating the virtue of his name living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemy, is a shield in the blood of the covenant for those who applied the blood of the lamb Pesach on the lintel and doorposts of their essence. Where does he demonstrate himself as a shield? Where is he a shield uh, for us? How can how how is it demonstrated? How do we <clears throat> see it? He shows himself in the descendants of Abraham, and we need to be descendants of Abraham. And here, it's in the blood of the covenant, that the blood of the covenant is our shield. It's called to be our shield. It will stand between us and our enemies who attempt to kill us and destroy us. And it's not important who these enemies are. The enemy of a person, if, if uh, the enemy of a person uh, in his in himself, and you need to be protected some in some way from these enemies. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Exodus 12:13. He will strike the land of Egypt where we live, and if upon our doorposts and lintel our essence, we will not have the sign of the blood of the covenant, then he will strike us. But if he, we have it, he will pass by us. In the original, it's interesting. I will, I will pretty much jump over this house, not pass by, because you... you uh, he goes straight, and so it's as if that the angel of death, he just jumps over it and keeps going to the next. Symbolically, the power of the name of God, shield, presented in the blood of the covenant, are in the golden shields that were made by King Solomon, that he... Uh, placed in the house that was made of of cedar. And so David was not able to build the temple. He gathered the means and he had a plan from God to build the temple, but it was Solomon that had built it. And if the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus says, he won't be able to, you won't be able to do anything if the Holy Spirit doesn't come. And he will help you build yourself into a house of prayer. And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold. 600 shekels of hammered gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold. 300 shekels of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Second Chronicles 9, 15-16. through 16. And so before talking about them, when it's talking about hammered, that means it wasn't, uh, it didn't have a, a mold or, or... And so for God to become our shield, He needs to make us into this shield. We need to be the shield. Our lips, because God will protect us 
be, uh, based on our confessions, and we know this. And so, how can we become these gold sh- golden shields, uh, these hammer uh, that are hammered? And so, who will be hammering us? And so, Solomon can't do anything anything if you don't agree the Holy Spirit doesn't work independent of us he gives the revelation and we work collaborating with him and so there will be signs of this hammer upon these shields these aren't shiny and polished shields these are hammered shields they always have uh, you will see where the where the hammer uh, hit uh, the shield golden uh, hammered shields were not for uh, for battle in this case and they were in the house of cedar wood this is a symbol of the fruits and this was symbolizing uh, battle in the spiritual world gold is a soft metal and you can't use it for battle and if the sword uh, goes go, goes at you, then it will uh, pretty much can split the shield and kill you. And so they were in this house of the forest of Lebanon. And so why were they there? It wasn't as like in a museum to go and look at them. These were symbolic uh, this, uh, to lead the battle in the spiritual world. And so a house, a forest of Lebanon, of trees of Lebanon, is building herself into a house of prayer, the righteousness that we received in the blood of the covenant by obeying our faith to, the, to God's faith, where we began to count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, calling the non-existent or proclaiming the non-existent stronghold of life as existent. And in this way, we confirm our uh, partaking to the children of Israel. And so the blood of the covenant becomes a living shield from the strikes of the firstborn that are within us, which symbolize the fruit of our spirit. And so this is a symbol of our total dedication to God, which uh, precedes a total sanctification. The righteous shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. The method by which the shields were hammered, uh, this is the cleansed mouth of a person that confesses God's faith that abides within our, our heart, that is cleansed, our heart that's cleansed from dead works. This is how the shield is struck when we proclaim the not existent as existent. The number 600 is a symbol of the chosen by God person that is a part of God's army that is led out of Egypt. And Moses said, the people whom I am, uh, I am among our 600,000 men on foot, yet you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat for a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be slaughtered for them to provide enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to provide enough for them? And the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. Numbers 11, 21 through 23. 
<clears throat> I'm here noting not 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 the uh, story that we're reading, but specifically 600. It says 600,000 men, six, the 600 shields, large shields. Here it's referring to God makes these shields. Uh, this, these are our confessions. The first army of David that followed him and protected him when his carnal mind as King Saul rose against him also were 600 men that represented in his body the symbol of a living shield. This is the death of the Son of God that takes the strikes upon himself that are supposed to be on us. Then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him to Akish the son of Moak, king of Gath. So David dwelt in with Akish at Gath and he and his men each man with his household and David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelite and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. When David, bearing fruits of the Spirit in the form of his son Solomon, he made these uh, Solomon was his fruit, and we can say that it's David in the form of Solomon made these made these shields. These 200 large shields that were of gold, and each one was 600 shekels uh, in, the, in weight. And so this is the symbol of the faith of God that abides in our heart, that gives God the proper grounds of foundation that he needs to... Uh, by the confessions of the faith of our heart to demonstrate himself in our body. And King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, 600 shekels of hammered gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold, 300 shekels of gold went into each shield. The king put on the house, put them in the house of the force of Lebanon. And so when the army of God uh, that made up 600,000 people, these men, these are, uh, and there were also 600 chariots uh, that the Pharaoh had were also 600 chariots. These, all these numbers, they're not uh, by accident. And so we also see the 200 uh, shields that were each of 600 shekels in weight. Uh, this symbolizes the uh, person that is built into a spiritual house. And so we then give God the proper foundation to use the power that's contained in his name as living shield to uh, stomp upon uh, these 600 chariots and uh, be victorious. Exodus 14, 5 through 8. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people and they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariots and took his people with him. Also he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the hearts of Pharaoh king of Egypt and he pursued the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with boldness. Exodus 14, 5 through 8. And so according, we see here, again, 600 shekels of silver in us, and in what way does this shield become uh, a def- pretty much, how is it between, how does it take its place between us and our enemies? How, is it, how does it protect us um, by the confessions of the faith of our heart? When the 
camp of the Philistines rose against uh, the Israelite nation and it was led by Goliath if you remember uh, he uh, he also had his armor and we will also find uh, this number 600 in this story as well and God because he was in the heart of, of David and so uh, as being in the heart of David he was able to strike and kill a Goliath 1 Samuel 17 4 through 10 and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath whose height was six cubits and a span he had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of, of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze and he had bronze armors on his leg and bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to, to line up for battle? I am not... Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. Pretty much, we don't even need to have this war one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. We know that the birth of Methuselah that allowed Enoch to walk before God 300 years, this number, three, this 300 is the symbol of 300 uh, shields, these 300 golden shields. And so there was fi battle for the body, and this is now a fight, as we can see, for rapture. This uh, uh, 300, each one was of 300, uh, 300 a number. And so this is the... In this case, Enoch allowed the stronghold of life to be erected in his body, which is why Enoch was taken to heaven and never died. And so, <clears throat> Enoch walked before God, and that is because he had these 300 uh, hammered shields in his heart, which represents righteousness that is obtained uh, by faith. And we see this in the heart of Noah as well, which allowed him to be safe from the flood that came. <clears throat> the number uh, 300 is a symbol of walking before God. This is following his commandments and instructions and statutes. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters, Genesis 5.22. The birth of Methuselah allowed Enoch to walk before God 300 years, and the symbol this symbolized the 300 golden uh, hammered shields, each one in weight of 300 shekels of gold. And so, this symbolized the fact that he was a house of God himself. And because of this, Enoch was uh, taken to heaven and never died. And so, Noah also walked before God because he had these 300 hammered uh, shields in his heart as well placed into this uh, house of made of, of of cedars. This also allowed him to be safe and be protected from the flood uh, when it came. 
And as we know that his arc uh, was also in the span of 300 cubits. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover its inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. It's with 50 cubits and its height 30 cubits. Genesis 6, 9 through 15. Because of the symbol of these 300 <coughs> hammered golden shields, each in weight of 300 shekels of hammered gold that were placed into the house that was made of, of cedar wood, this gave God the proper grounds in the essence of Gideon in his 300 warriors to represent uh, God's righteousness. Judges 7, 4 through 7. But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whoever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water... Uh, with his tongue as a dog laps you shall set apart by himself likewise everyone who gets down on his knees to drink and the number of those who lapped putting their hand to their mouth was 300 men but all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water then the Lord said to Gideon there are a lot of of these examples in scripture I'm just bringing forth these examples uh, how these golden shields will protect us from God's wrath and from our enemies we need to build ourselves into a house of cedar wood and there make these large uh, uh, large and small shields of hammered wood of, of, uh, of hammered uh, gold we also see here in this case another story also of 300 and this was in the story of Samson where he had caught 300 foxes and he put uh, torches between their tails and released them into the fields and God was able to deliver him from the teaching of the false prophets O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the desert you have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in battle on the day of the Lord Ezekiel 13, 4-5 then Samson went and caught 300 foxes, and he took torches, turned the fox tail, tail to tail, and put a torch between each pair of tails. When he had set the torches on fire, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the, the shocks and the standing grain, as well as the vineyards and olive groves. Judges 15, 4-5. In the New Testament, uh, when we're looking at the shield uh, of hammered gold, we see in the New Testament the blood of the covenant that was poured upon the cr uh, cross, upon the Golgotha cross. Now that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of lamb without blemish and without spot. This blood in this case, uh, the blood in this case became a shield that protects us from the sinful uh life of our fathers, 1 Peter 1, 18-19. And so summing up the given uh, subject, 
we conclude that he taking the hits that are supposed to be against us or upon us, putting the blood of the covenant upon our lintel and our doorposts uh, to uh, be protected. And so we are protected from the sinful uh, life of our fathers in this case. Uh, we see all these symbols in the covenant of blood. And so I have about nine more minutes and I'll try to catch up uh, or get through as much as I can with the third. God demonstrating the virtue of his name, living shield, taking upon himself the hits that are directed at us by our enemies, presented in the truth of the word of God, concealed within the three functions of our essence, in our good heart, in our renewed mind, and in our gentle or meek tongue that confesses the faith of God that is concealed within our heart. Psalm 91.4, his truth shall be your shield and buckler. We need to keep in mind that a shield and a buckler, the truth of, of God, can be concealed in our heart only in the commandments and statutes that abide within our heart, which gives us the legitimate right and ability to confess them and fulfill them, so that in this way we can inherit the promise of eternal life that is called to be enthroned in our body as the stronghold of life. By the means of the uh, prayer of faith that corresponds to the truth of the word, as the breastplate of judgment that we uh, study. You are my hiding place and my shield, I hope in your word, Psalm 119, 114. And so here we note one very important truth that everything that God has done from the uh, beginning, from the visible and invisible world, the creation of the visible and invisible world, he holds it with his word, the visible and invisible world, and he does these things uh, he uses the words of his words and prayer. The word of God uh, that are in the prayers of the saints that abides and work uh, within the boundaries of his truth that is in the heart as the elementary teaching of Christ. These are the 12 foundations of the new Jerusalem, which is a mother to all of us. It becomes, these words become in power equal to the words of God that is able to give God the ability to be then our shield and take the hits that are that are directed against us. And so, let's see how the shield comes from a person. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And so, this this is talking about words, and for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, by your words you will be condemned. And so, a person at, that brings forth evil from his heart is one who speaks idle words. And so, they speak things that are written in scripture and they pray them but they don't understand its meaning for example you say Lord you're my shield when he does not understand how God is a shield for him he doesn't understand what conditions need to be fulfilled so that he be his shield he says Lord you're my shield protect me protect me but this is an idle prayer he is crying and he's sincerely asking but this, his sincerity in this case is not going to uh, do anything because if you are 
sincerely uh, lost, that doesn't mean, or you're sincerely breaking the law, that doesn't mean the law is going to be on your side. They're going to say, well, you still violated it. If you violated something, you came to this country, you need to follow the laws of this country, and if you didn't learn them, then you're still going to have to, uh, there'll be consequences for it. You are snared by the words of your mouth, you are taken by the words of your mouth. Proverbs 6, 2. And so, we either catch ourselves into nets of the evil one or nets of the kingdom of heaven uh, based on what we say. And so, we catch ourselves into what we put into our heart. If we put the damaged word into our heart, these are nets of the evil one. We confess them and catch ourselves into these nets and we don't then hear the truth or don't want to hear it. Those that are in these nets uh, don't even plan to get out of them and into nets of the damaged word as one that is in the nets of the kingdom of heaven don't want to come out of that kingdom uh, it's the same thing and so you have ensnared yourself and so what words is it words that are from your heart or is it just what's in the Bible and don't understand what it's saying and, and proclaiming it relying upon the truth that is put into our heart and confessing it is hoping upon specific promises that are received by us by the preached word of the word of truth that abides and and is confirmed by our confessions. And so this will then allow us to be safe from the enemies that are within our body. This is the governing sin and the corrupt desires of our flesh and also enemies that are within the churches which are uh, evil or lawless people. Then Jesus said to those Jews who, do, who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 31, 32. And so the word of God that is in our mouth, the undamaged word that comes out of our heart, will be our shield. This is God's shield that will protect us from our enemies. If we, because of our ignorance and our hard heart, if we are not knowing or refuse to know, the good, which is the elementary teaching of Christ, the 12 foundations of the of Jerusalem, which is a mother to all of us, then this means that we did not give God the legitimate grounds or foundation to reveal himself within our body as a living shield so that we could, he could take upon himself the hits uh, that are from the enemies that are inside of us and also in our church. And the absence of the truth in our heart which is the elementary teaching of Christ and the 12 foundations of the New Jerusalem that is a mother to all of us makes us enemies. If this, there's an absence, then it makes us enemies of God and enemies of His delegated ones. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. But to know, we need to have someone interpret these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.12-16 Summing up this subject, 
God demonstrating himself in his name, living shield that takes upon himself the hits that are directed against us by our enemies, he demonstrates himself in the truth of his word, the undamaged word that is concealed in our heart, in our renewed mind, and our words that confess the faith of our heart, which is the elementary teaching of Christ, which gives the Holy Spirit the right foundation he needs to reveal the truth of the teaching of Christ that is concealed in our heart, and it becomes in our mouth then God's golden shield. Amen. Let us uh, bend our knees or our heads and pray, and we will thank God for the word that we were able to hear today. And it may be a living shield for us and our children that we can protect. Again, I repeat that God doesn't look at how our children behave regarding the truth. He looks at how we behave regarding the truth. We receive salvation of our household, not by how our children look at the truth or regard the truth, but how we look and regard the truth. When we understand this, the peace of God will fill our heart and we will calmly sit and imagine our our son or daughter with us already that may not be here uh, physically in the church. This act will be noted by God and you will see your children next to you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for this great word that has so much power. When you created the the invisible world with your word, and with that same word from the invisible, you created the visible world. With the same word, you hold the visible and invisible world. And with this very word, you bore us from the seed of truth and with this word you grow us and you give us the ability to build ourselves into a house of God into a house of cedar wood and to place there 200 large shields and 300 small shields that are hammered so that the 300 can help us in battle for our bodies and the 200 and 300 will help us to erect the stronghold of immortality in us. That will be a guarantee of our rapture. May your nation be blessed and the word that we heard today, may it find its response in our heart and may it be imprinted upon our hearts and may it grow into a house of cedar wood with these golden shields we worship before you, our great God, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now 
and forever. Amen.